Hey, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And Christmas is certainly uh, the time of year where we love to reflect and we love to recount the Christmas story. And we have the nativity scenes, we have the songs, and they all remind us of the, the glorious events of that first Christmas. The, the, we think of Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem. We think of the manger, the shepherds, the angels, the wise men. Most of all, we think, of course, of the birth of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want us to reflect on one other aspect of the Christmas story that's really important, but we might miss. And that is to Christians, the Christmas story intersects with our story in an incredibly powerful and meaningful way. The Christmas story has intersected with your life. If you are a Christian... And it has changed your story. It has changed your story and my story forever. I want to put it this way. Jesus came not only to save our souls, He came to save our story. And we're going to unpack what that means a little bit. But let's begin by looking at a couple for whom the Christmas story dropped into their lives and completely rewrote their story. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before the Lord, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. I want to pause here for a moment, because we've just gotten a window into Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. They're good people. They're godly people. They love the Lord. They are worshipers of the Lord. But there is a sadness. There is a longing. There is a missing part in their story. Zechariah is from the tribe, the priestly line of Abijah, who is one of the 24 priests that David established. And so from the line of Abijah, from this priestly line, Zechariah hails from. And Elizabeth... She can trace her lineage all the way back to Moses' older brother, Aaron, who was the first priest. So their priestly line goes back to early days and has this rich heritage in the Jewish uh, history. But Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, they're advanced in years, and they have no children. And they have longed, and they have prayed, And they have cried for a child, and they have now resigned themselves to what would seem to be the fact that their lineage will die with them. Their deep rootedness in the Jewish history and the priestly line will come to an end with them. 
And that's where they are when the Christmas story intersects with their story. Let's begin, let's continue reading in verse 8. Now while he was, this is Zechariah, was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Here's what happens. The Christmas story intersects with their story and completely rewrites it. What they thought was a hopeless situation became a brilliantly hopeful situation. What they thought was a dead end became an avenue of new life for them. They would have a son who would do far more than just carry on the priestly duties in the, in the temple, they would have a son who would prepare the way for the Messiah. He was the one who would be the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the paths of the Lord. He would be the one who was promised, who would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He would be the one who would turn hearts of fathers towards their sons and hearts of sinners towards the Lord. He would be great in the eyes of God. The story that God had for Zechariah and Elizabeth was far bigger and far better than the story they would have written for themselves. The angel told the shepherds out watching their fields, Behold, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Here's what I want us to remember this morning, this Christmas season, is that the Christmas story isn't simply something that happened to other people a long time ago in Bethlehem. The Christmas story is the good news of great joy for all people because it intersects with the stories of everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord born on that Christmas morning. The Christmas story intersects with our story. When we believe in Jesus, God rewrites our stories into something better than we could have ever written for ourselves. Jesus came not only to save our souls, He came to save our stories. Now you might be thinking, why are you using the word stories? Why don't you just use our lives? Because our stories are our lives, right? But here's what I think we tend to do, at least I do. 
we tend to think of our lives as what we're going through right now. Like, what is going on in my life right now? We kind of forget. Do you remember five years ago, six years ago? I guarantee you five years ago, six years ago, you were thinking a lot about what was happening five years ago or six years ago. But you're not thinking at all about what happened five years ago or six years ago now. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So your life, when I say your life, you think of what's right in front of you right now. And I do too. But the reality is our lives are stories. And like a good story, they come in chapters. I was reading uh, an autobiography, or a biography, not an autobiography, a biography on Winston Churchill. Now, I only got a few chapters into the book. It's a huge book. I want to return to it. I only got a few chapters into the story of Winston Churchill's life. But here's what I found out. Winston Churchill was a lousy student in school. He was a terrible, disinterested student in school. You see, the thing about Winston Churchill is if a subject didn't interest him, he didn't put any heart into it. Maybe some of you know somebody like that. If something didn't interest him, well, the problem is most of the things, and he was sent to a boarding school. His parents paid a lot of money for him. His parents were very prestigious, very wealthy. They paid a lot of money for him to go to an excellent boarding school, but he wasn't interested in Latin and all these other things, and so he didn't do well. And so his dad would actually literally write him letters expressing how disappointed in him he was and what a failure he was. And he can't believe that he doesn't apply himself more than he did. Now, when we think about Winston Churchill, the first word that comes to our mind isn't disappointment. It's not failure. It's not loser. The fact that he didn't know Latin real well doesn't crush our impression of him. We think of courage. We think of leadership. We think of somebody who helped to bolster up the hearts of the the British when they were being attacked by the Germans. But we see the whole story. We're not just stuck in the first few chapters, but he lived those chapters. What chapter is your life in right now? What chapter is your life in right now? This Christmas season, as you prepare for Christmas, what chapter would you say your life, if you were to title your chapter, what would you title it? Some of you might be thinking, man, this is, it's an awesome chapter. I am loving life. It is so good. I've got the world by the tail. Maybe you've got a new job that you're going to be starting. Maybe, you know, somebody is getting married soon and you're all excited about that. Or you're going to have a baby and you're excited about that. Or, or, or you're about to retire and you're excited about a life of retirement and ease. Or maybe there's nothing big coming up, but you're just feeling good. Life is good. And you're just enjoying this Christmas season and you're loving it. And... Uh, For you, this is a joyful and a happy chapter of your life. But I know there's others in this room and and also watching online that this is not a happy chapter in your life. You're in a sad chapter. Others might be in a chapter of discouragement, disappointment, regret. That's the chapter you're in. 
And so your heart, and you're not going to say this, but your heart is raw. And the, the joyful songs of this season with joy and cheer actually make things worse. For you, this isn't the most wonderful season of all. It's not the happiest time of the year. For you, it's the sad, saddest time of the year because your heart is raw. And all the jingle bells accentuate that. One woman who had lost her son recently before Christmas says it poignantly. She says this, I'm not in a celebratory mood like at all. So when I woke up to this dumb, drizzly day, it felt so right. Weather like this is strangely comforting to me right now. It's an actual relief when the light is dim and the clouds are low and mist has softened all the sharp edges. When fog has filled the world and the void with mystery and all of the trees are heavy laden, under the burden of a sad, stormy day, everything seems to grow smaller and quieter and more vulnerable until the world looks exactly how I feel. And I wonder if maybe this is the spirit of Christmas too. Sure, joy to the world and all that jazz, but when heaven and nature sing, maybe sometimes they sing a sad song for sad people. And maybe that's enough. She's exactly right. She's exactly right. With all the wonderful good news of great joy that is Christmas, we might forget that Christmas, the Christmas story is no stranger to sadness either. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Zechariah and Elizabeth spent 40, 50 years, I don't know, crying, longing, hurting, aching, sending up desperate prayers to God for an answer, but he did not seem to be willing to give them the answer they were hoping for for a long, long time. Those years and those tears and those prayers are an important part of Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. Those chapters are an important part of their story. And I want you to remember, while we're singing joy to the world and the angels are singing and all of that, if you think, well, you know, but let's, you know, it's all joyful. No, it's not. Shortly after that, the chapter of the Christmas story turned to horror and grief and loss as Herod decided to go into Bethlehem and kill every child, every male child under the year of two years of age. And Matthew 2 verse 18 says this, A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That's a part of the Christmas story. 
And oddly enough, I'm glad, not that that happened, but that sadness is a part of the joy. Because sometimes heaven and nature do sing a sad song. The Christmas story is full of joy. But it's a joy that can weather rainy days. It is a joy deep enough to weather sad chapters, hard chapters, grief-filled chapters, longing chapters. And you know what? God did not remove those long chapters from Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. What he did do is he redeemed them. He redeemed them. And Jesus redeems our chapters as well. He doesn't remove them. He redeems them. And that includes our saddest chapters. I remember several years ago, uh, some of us gathered around a dear friend to pray for him. Uh, He had just found out that his older daughter was pregnant out of wedlock with a man who was not a Christian. And as we knelt with him to pray over him, his heart was hurting. His heart was hurting. He wept openly. Because of his strong faith in Christ, there was hope in the tears. But for the most part, at that point, most of what he could see was sadness. Heartache. But over time, God used this pregnancy in his daughter's life to bring her and draw her back, her heart back to God. And when she gave birth to a beautiful baby girl, all they could see was God's goodness and the joy and the blessing and his loving hand at work. And the sadness was replaced with a glorious joy. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy as his daughter embraced the challenges of single, being a single mom and raising her daughter as a single mom. There were challenges. There were hardships. And there was sadness. There was some sadness. When she would particularly travel to England so that this little girl could see her dad and knowing that they're not a family, But mostly there was joy. And mostly there was blessing. That they would not trade in for all the world. But God wasn't done with the story. Over time, the father of this baby girl began to see the love of Jesus in their family. And he began to ask questions of Matt about Jesus. Long distance, England. But he started attending a church in England and before long he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. He was baptized. Eventually, he and my friend's daughter reunited, were married, 
my friend Matt had the honor of officiating that wedding. And now they have not, two, not one daughter, but two beautiful, beautiful daughters. I love that story. And I asked Matt's permission to share that this morning. Now listen, this is important. Not every story is going to look the same. Not every story is going to have the same ending. Some stories come to a fulfilling, wonderful ending, joyful ending on this side of eternity. And sometimes Jesus waits to write that fuller chapter on the other side of eternity. The Bible says that when we face God in Revelation, that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. You know what that means? Some of us are going to go into heaven and face God, and we're going to have tears on our eyes. We're going to leave this earth with tears in our eyes. And the Lord's going to wipe those tears away forever. And joy will explode over those hearts that may have left this life in a sad chapter. But that sadness will be redeemed into beautiful, everlasting, meaningful joy. So whatever chapter you're in this morning, whatever, whether it's a happy and easy chapter or a hard and sad chapter, God wants to meet you right where you are. You're not outside of the Christmas story. Far from it. My friend Walt Beezer wrote this in a message, and I wanted to quote him. He writes this, There is great happiness in the Christmas season, and it's good to embrace and celebrate that happiness. Amen to that. But to those of you who find yourselves driven by obligation and busyness and guilt in this season, it's okay to stop and say no and pause and embrace a part of the season that brings you personal happiness. And to those of you who find Christmas to be a painful, difficult season, to those of you who are hurting or grieving personally or feeling discouraged by this tumultuous last year we've been going through, and to those of you who are happy to revel in this season, it's okay. It's okay to feel and to embrace. God sees you no matter where you are on the emotional spectrum of happiness. I love that too. It's important that you know it's okay. Wherever you're at on the emotional spectrum, it's okay. God sees you. If you're not on the cheerful, happy, joyful side, God sees where you're at. And Jesus has been there too. And joy comes in the morning. And the joy Jesus gives is bigger and stronger than anything you can imagine. And it's strong enough to weather sad, hard chapters. God is the God who brings beauty out of ashes. You know, before you get beauty out of those ashes, you know what you need? You need ashes. There's nothing beautiful about ashes. But sin has burnt life to ashes. Sin burns and torches and incinerates everything it touches. Jesus came to bring beauty out of those ashes. Beauty out of your story and mine. So when the Christmas story dropped into Zechariah and Elizabeth's story, 
Here's what happened. It dropped into their story, or they dropped into it, but that Christmas story changed everything in their lives and then rippled outward to change everything in the history of humanity. And when this good young couple, Joseph and Mary, found themselves, don't think it was just all joy, you know, if you were engaged to a woman, you found out she was pregnant, that's not necessarily going to fill your heart with joy. Joseph had some rough moments. He was a good man, and he decided to put her away quietly until the angel said, no, 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 this is of God. Mary must have been overwhelmed with what God was doing. How am I supposed to be the mother of the Savior of the Lord? But God dropped the Christmas story into their lives, and that not only rewrote their story, but it sent ripples out with Jesus, not just forward in history, but backwards in history, because everyone who is saved in either direction are saved by Jesus Christ. You say, how did Moses get saved? By faith in Christ. How did David come to know Jesus or come to go to heaven by faith in Jesus Christ? He just didn't know the name. Jesus Christ saved every person. So those ripples went forwards and backwards and continue into eternity, saving countless souls and countless stories. So when the Christmas story drops into our story, when Jesus becomes the Lord and Savior of our story, he becomes the center of our story, and every chapter is redeemed for him. Every chapter. The happy chapters and the sad. And all become a beautiful story, the story of redemption, the story of a Savior who turned our ashes into beauty. So the Christmas story assures us as believers in Jesus Christ, God has our story. He's got your story, your life. He's got it. You might be in a tough chapter. God's there. He's got it. Don't get discouraged. Look up, trust him. You might look back and say, I've got a, my whole book is full of tough chapters. I'm still waiting for a, an easy chapter. God's got you. He's got your story because your story has been engulfed by his story. So I want to close with two encouragements for our hearts. The first encouragement is this. Know that God loves you so much. Believer in Christ, he loves you so much, he bought your story. If I were to go to a publisher and I was to write an autobiography and I was to try to get a publisher to print it, I doubt very much any publisher would take my story because they know that nobody would read it except my mom. And quite honestly, I don't think my mom would read it either. So they're not going to buy my story. But Jesus bought your story. That's what redeemed means. He buys back. He purchases back. He bought your story. That's what he did when he was born. He was born to buy us back to God. And that includes our story. You might say, yeah, but I have failed. I have disappointed. I have messed up so many times. My story must be a disappointment to him. Uh, no, actually, Jesus... Jesus died for disappointments. He did. 
All of our stories were disappointments to God. All of our stories were failures. All of our stories were losers. And Jesus died on the cross for failures, losers, and disappointments. He came for the sick, not the healthy. If you're not a failure, loser, or disappointing, um, in the sense of to God and by his standard, the gospel's not for you. He came for the sick, not the healthy. So welcome and embrace your story as a disappointment, a failure, and a loser. Thank you, you know, you're welcome for such encouragement. But here's the thing. He takes our story and he rewrites it. You don't find failure written over your story anymore. You find forgiven. You don't find disappointment. You find deeply loved written over your story. You don't find reject over your story. You find accepted by God. And not accepted begrudgingly, but warmly, lovingly, joyfully. He loves you so much. Jesus rewrites our stories with love. The beauty of the Christmas story is it says to you and to me, we are loved, we are valued, we are precious to God. And so is our story. That's the first encouragement. And I want that to drop into your heart right where you are. You are loved by God. Your story is loved by God. He's got your story. Second encouragement to us is we still have some chapters left to write. Amen? We don't know how long, but we still have some chapters left. You have chapters left in your story to write. And so do I. Let's write them for the glory of God. Let's write those chapters for the glory of God. You see, Christians can write bad chapters. Amen? We can write messed up chapters. We can decide, I'm not going to do this God's way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to sin. I'm going to rebel. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make foolish choices. And eventually, God will redeem all that. But as you walk through those chapters, they are going to be painful chapters. They are going to be, God doesn't remove the consequences. And so, let's write chapters to the glory of God. Amen? Let's write chapters that say, Jesus is my Lord, and I want to yield to His Lordship. I want to submit my life to His Lordship. I want to do this His way. Let's trust and obey Him as our Lord. Let's write the remaining chapters as best we're able to and with the grace he gives us with the ink of faith. And if you find yourself in the middle of a chapter that you are writing that's full of sin, hard-heartedness, rebellion against God, and yes, Christians can have all those things going on in our lives. If you see, I'm in the middle of a chapter and I am writing it with rebellion, and the stubborn self-will to do what I want. Repentance is to put down that pen and pick up the pen of faith and begin to write with a new pen of ink of faith. To submit your life, your heart, your story to God. To say, I want this life, the rest of my chapters, to speak of the glory of God and the love of God. 
And I want to submit, because Jesus wasn't just born Savior of the world. He was born the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I want to submit my life to Him. Because I write lousy chapters. And He writes great chapters. God's got better for your story than you would write for yourself. Let's trust God with our story. Let's give God our story. And let's live out the chapters we have to the glory of God. The Christmas story is something that happened to other people a long time ago in Bethlehem. And it's something that is continuing to happen in our hearts, in our lives, in our stories, every day of our lives. And that is good news of great joy. Father, we thank you this morning for Christmas. We thank you, Lord, that you have taken our stories, you've bought them back. And we thank you, Lord, that no story is so far gone that you can't rewrite a redeemed ending. Father, we ask you to help our hearts to willingly and joyfully bow before your Lordship and desire to obey you and serve you and trust you in a fresh way. We want to write the chapters we have left, Lord, with the ink of faith, believing in you and submitted to you, God. We thank you so much for your love and that you are such an awesome Savior to us, Lord. And Father, as we close, we also pray for those who are going through a a sad season, a hard season, a season of loss, Lord. And we pray that, Lord, while some of the songs might be hard for them to hear, we pray that the Christmas story is not hard, but is precious to them in a whole new way. Would you bring comfort? Would you bring peace? Would you bring hope to the hurting? Jesus, we give you all of our love and praise. All of our love and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. We will see you next.